Hi there. Welcome to Shrink Chat. This is the companion show to our podcast, Terror Talk. My name is Shannon, and I'm joined each week by my friend, Kathy. On this show, we talk about psychology and true crime and TV and movies and whatever else comes up. It's a bit looser. So hang out and welcome to Shrink Chat. Hi, everyone. This is Shrink Chat with Shannon and Kathy. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Happy May. So I wanted to start off the show by just talking to you and to our listeners a little bit about how excited I am for we have a couple of new patrons. I know. And I want to shout them out. And I also want to just talk about some other Discord Patreon business. But I think I'm going to wrap it into some news items. So don't you guys who don't care about that check out. (laughs) I'm going to wrap it into some horror news items. So the first thing I wanted to mention is that we have a couple of new patrons that I am very excited to report are fabulous, by the way. Um, One of the great things about our Patreon is that you get a Discord membership in our or access to our Discord that is a private Discord. And so only patrons are in there. So that's awesome. So we have a new patron. Uh, they go by 452 on our Discord. So that's how I will refer to them there. Uh, drives a truck for a living. So that's really interesting. Very energetic, very kind, funny, loves horror, is talking in the Discord every day with us about you know their stuff and all of that. And I actually wanted to tie it to something else because one of the things that they mentioned was this band called Ice Nine Kills. And for those of you who don't know, Ice Nine Kills is, uh, or abbreviated Inc., formerly known as Ice Nine, is an American metalcore band from Massachusetts. Um, and they do a lot of horror-inspired lyrics. So if you like metal and you like horror, and you, you would already know about them most likely, but they've been around for 20 years or so, and they've had a bunch of different kinds of styles that they've done, I think, along the way, but they have some, uh, you know, a few EPs out and stuff. But he had mentioned, like, uh, 452 had mentioned that, you know, mentioned them and I, and I didn't know anything about them. Not necessarily always my genre of music, although I do like mm-hmm. some metal music for sure. Mm-hmm. But I, then I saw an article on bloody disgusting actually of Jason's mom is, I think is what it's called. The Friday, the 13th tribute song. Oh my Ice God. Nine Kills <laughs> is now available on streaming services. So there's like a video and all of that. So the band is ice nine kills and the song I believe is Jason's mom just in time for mother's day. Um, the parody song Jason's Mom from Ice Nine Kills has finally made its way onto streaming one year after its initial release. Uh, the track is, of course, a parody cover of the Fountains of Wayne song, Stacy's Mom. I was Mom. just about to ask. <laughs> okay. And it's a fun little celebration of Mrs. Voorhees and the Friday the 13th franchise that her love spawned. Uh, it was originally released as part of fearless at home which is a live stream that aired in 2020 may of 2020 and was an immediate hit with fans and now it's widely available apparently uh apparently jason's mom is a very special acoustic parody in honor of one of the deadliest matriarchs in movie history so happy mother's day mother's day by the time this episode uh airs has already passed it was this past week but i don't think it's too late to listen to the song uh it's going to be on spotify and pandora but what i will say is ice nine kills has a bunch of horror inspired 
songs and if you just listen to their albums and then you do a little bit of research you realize that some of the songs are inspired by like very specific movies got it so that's kind of fun and 452 who's one of our new patrons and is on our discord um, thank you so much for being a patron yeah that's amazing and bringing that vibe and i learned something so that's awesome uh the other thing i wanted to say is that we have um another new patron who goes by luke Cripkeeper, and he's a new patron and <laughs> what ended up happening is he like started a whole thing where uh, then some other patrons decided to up their they're giving to us. Um, so I send Chib also up there giving to us. And I just, I mean, we couldn't, I'm just always, I'm just like blown away when that happens. I, I'm so appreciative. <laughs> and I know that Shannon's talked to you guys uh, already, maybe through discord or whatever, but she told me, and I just want to really extend that gratitude as well. Cause this is, we don't, I mean, we don't do it for this, but we do it for all of you mm-hmm. and we love engaging with you. It's, um, it just makes what we do so much more fun and it allows us to be more creative and we really appreciate you giving back and supporting us because then we'll give you more. Yeah, absolutely. And, and part of that is that our first goal is like, I have benchmark goals on Patreon as far as like get a certain amount of patrons and we're working towards getting enough patrons to fully pay for our website and then also allow me to spend more time on the website and making it bigger and more robust and writing articles. And I'm going to have like full seasons on there behind a, behind a, you know, behind a patron window, like you have mm-hmm. to pass code to get it. And I already have all of our old what the hell <laughs> segments up on there, which is fun. So it just like when we get to that benchmark of like a certain amount of patrons, then I'll be able to, um, you know, like pay myself basically to to have the time to do that and create that for everyone. And I'm, I'm just and I'm more time to devote to the discord, et cetera. Yeah. So just really exciting. So. The other thing that happened is um, Ice, who we've talked about before, he upped his patronage too, which I'm like, amazing. Like, I interact with you, Ice. I know. So sweet. I'm looking at the pinata you got me. Yeah, it's right there. (laughs) It's right here in the studio. The pinata that will eventually be destroyed. And we will enjoy that. We will. With with violence. We will. Um, He upped his membership too. And like, I'm in the. I'm in the discord every day talking to these people and I can't tell you enough, like how kind and wonderful and funny and, and like, uh, knowledgeable and and like game and just like game to talk to each other. It's just Mm -hmm. a really nice community, but I did want to bring up something that, um, ice happens to be Canadian. So (laughs) yes, he does. Yeah. Very. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so he answers for all things Canadian in our discord. Like if something's happening that's Canadian or it's like a bad Canadian film, it's like, what, what happened here? Yeah. What was, what was this? Why didn't you stop this? (laughs) Like what was the problem? Or you must have seen this. Yeah. It's always, and well, honestly, he usually has. has. So, but I did want to bring this piece of news when I was looking for relevant news for us. Telefilm Canada launches new U.S. portal devoted to Canadian film. So Telefilm Canada has launched something called Canada Now, which is a new portal devoted to highlighting Canadian content in the U.S. 
The site will add new titles each month to its portfolio, which ranges from recent films such as My Salinger Year or Antigone to Oscar nominees like Barbarian Invasions or Mansour Lassour, which is probably supposed to be French and I don't know how to pronounce it, as well as some series. The site developed in collaboration with Telescope features close to 5,000 productions available across more than 150 VOD platforms. So what it is... You know, Sundance has a channel called Sundance now, mm-hmm. and it's heavily curated. So mm-hmm. it, it reminds me of that. Or like Criterion Collection has right. a site, and it's heavily curated to just Criterion titles. So it's a monthly boutique curation that will spotlight six different programming sections in addition to the searchable database, of course, um, accessible within the U.S., Uh, Every month, the site will feature a section of new arrivals, classic films, and a spotlight called Indigenous Voices. Because Mm. for those of you who don't know much about Canada, there's a a lot of Indigenous cultures and a lot of um, Indian cultures there. Uh, For the month of May, it will focus on the celebration of Asian Canadians with films including Sandra Oh starring uh, in Long Life, Happiness, and Prosperity, Etc. Etc. It just goes on and on. But so they'll spotlight stuff as well. So I just thought I would throw that out there for our Canadian audience and also for Ice because he's our resident Canadian patron and he holds down the Canadian fort on he our really Discord. Does. He really does. Um, and he's an incredible supporter of the show. So thank you so much to all of our patrons, our new and old, just like amazing. That's what I got. So the next thing we would really like to do for you is a little segment. That's what we call it. I'm not going to say what it actually is called because. Because it's obvious that I'm about to give you horror facts and my name's Kath. (laughs) That's so obvious. New listeners like, what was, what, what exactly? (laughs) Who is that? (laughs) Go for it. Number one. In this horror film, Rob Lowe makes a cameo on the character's bedroom wall. A minor insinuation that he might be queer, although never explicitly stated. Mm -hmm. Number two, famous line of the movie. If all of the dead people around here were to stand up all at once, we'd have one heck of a population problem. (laughs) It's one of my favorite lines. Number three, a point of view... Uh, point of view shots of vampires in flight are a trademark of this film. The aerial shots serve as a unique aesthetic choice for this film. Hmm. Number four, this movie is remembered so fondly, partially due to its soundtrack featuring NXS, Lou Graham, and Roger Daltrey. And number five, my favorite horror film of all time. <laughs> Scream? Nope. <laughs> uh... Uh, I don't know. That's the one you've talked about so much. Rob Lowe would be circa what? 1980 something. With vampires? Oh, Lost Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yep. I forget what your favorites are sometimes. Scream's a good one too, but the Lost Boys is... Is the favorite. That's my jam. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great flick. I mean, it's fun. Yeah. Nice. Well done. I got it with additional personal... uh, (laughs) I gave her a booster. (laughs) Well, just so I don't look like an idiot every time. Every time. Not every time. Every time. time. I still look like an idiot. And I'm okay with that. So, Tawny Katan died. Um, She is the star of Witchboard. uh, Oh. Died at 59. 
No cause of death has been released as of this time. Let me see what. Our How many of those did they make? May eighth, twenty twenty one. I don't know. Trivia. I don't know. No idea. Actress model Tani Katan has died. Um, she was fifty nine. Three. Really? Oh, you looked it up. 86, 93, and 95. I don't know if she was in all of them, but... Thank you very much. She appeared in Gwendolyn, and she also starred with Tom Hanks in Bachelor Party. I know her face. I'm looking at her right now. Yeah, me too. She's a very familiar face. If you... How'd she die? She's young. I mean, what I remember her from is that she was in the Rat video, Back for More, the rock band Rat from back of the day. She was in that video. <laughs> what, did, what did it say she... Oh, and White Snake is this love. Oh, Here I go again. You know, she and, looks like an 80s... And Still of the Night. She was in three of their videos. Okay. So she later dated uh, David Coverdale, who was the lead singer of White Snake. They only lasted two years, but still. Oh, she was on WKRP in Cincinnati. There you go. Yeah. So what we're saying is Tracy Catan, like, you know, that name, you might go like, oh, I know that name. Why do I know that name? And this for me, it was because of the music videos, but she was in this other stuff. So anyway, she died too young. Fifty nine. It, it won't doesn't say how. No, it says no cause of death was released as of this time. So I imagine the family is trying to keep it private, private. whatever it was uh, for now. Uh, in our culture, things come out, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, the other thing I I really wanted to mention, turning left, uh, there's a shining, the shining, the movie sculpture that recreates the here's Johnny moment. Oh my God. Where his face comes through the bathroom door after he has hatcheted it to try and kill his wife in his delusional ghosty rage. And it recreates that in a bookshelf. So it's his face. It's like a white kind of porcelain face with that like grotesque. And it's like, you just put it between your books on your bookshelf. That's awesome. So he's peeking out. And I was like, there's a bookshelf right behind me that you guys can't see. And I'm like, I'm totally getting this. And I'm putting it on the bookshelf because that will make me happy. Um, yeah. All right. So I think you had a news item too. Yeah, this is called How Horror Movies Can Help People Overcome Real-World Trauma. Fantastic. And it says, films that terrify you today may improve your fear responses tomorrow. So this is uh, by Nicole Johnson from National Geographic. So some of this we know. We know uh, controlled fear experiences such as watching horror movies may have positive effects in terms of fine-tuning coping strategies says Matthias Clayson, director of Recreational Fear Lab, and an associate professor in literature and media at the Aarhus University in Denmark. Notably, a recent study of more than 300 people shows that horror fans are faring much better psychologically than non-fans during the emotionally draining months of the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay. It may uh, be people learn about their own fear responses and about regulating their own emotions through watching horror movies, says Clayson. Um, So, though it's Unlikely we'll find the latest scary flick being screened at a therapist's office, well, unless it's Shannon or me. <laughs> yeah, I was going to um, say. I bring I, up horror all the time. Research, research on how uh, we cope with fear and why some people are drawn to fear-inducing forms of entertainment is offering a window into new pe- ways people might learn to overcome trauma. So it goes on. Um, I'll read a little bit more. It yeah. says, uh, when discussing trauma and phobias, it helps to understand first how our bodies process fear. 
the automatic response is the familiar fight or uh, flight. We either stay to confront what's scaring us or we flee in an attempt to avoid or outrun danger. This response is driven by what doctors call the sympathetic nervous system, collection of neurons, uh, weaving from the spine into the rest of the body. In perceived dangerous situations, the system triggers involuntary responses, increasing heart rate, blood pressure, so on. So when we realize that a threat no longer exists or isn't real, the related parasympathetic parasympathetic nervous system <laughs> takes over, helps us calm down, facilitating the rest and digest. So this is, uh, and that relief is part of what researchers are tapping into with exposure therapy. So we've been doing exposure therapy for years, but now we're, horror is in here. So last part, extensive research has confirmed the effectiveness of exposure therapy. It has bound been found particularly helpful for treating anxiety disorders, PTSD, and so on. Um, and if someone has a phobia of spiders, a therapist might have a person intentionally engage with these arachnids. Um, so, you know, horror might just be what the doctor ordered. Of course. We know it. You know it. We like to tell you that there's articles that know it. <laughs> Because we already know it. We, we, hello, here we are, right? Like trying to depathologize horror. Pretty much one of the, every time, all the time. It's pretty much one of our, one of our things, obviously, because I mean, the way we can speak in that space is to be, you know, educated, licensed uh, therapists with our own world, successful in our own right, and be like, horror is good. Horror is good. I also wanted to bring to your attention, speaking of real life horrors, and sometimes these movies are a horror, um, RLJE Films snags the new Ted Bundy horror movie. Another one? That's why I said some of them are really horrible. (sighs) I mean, we don't tire of Ted Bundy. I do. And I did a whole thing on him. Well, we did a whole thing on him like three years ago. Way before. And honestly, still like people are downloading that the most. Like... I think my podcast <laughs> it's a thing. is what facilitated all these films. Narcissism by Narcissism by Gap. That's hilarious. Okay, so Elijah Wood and Luke Kirby star in No Man uh, OD God. of No, Man of God. Wow, that's a typo in literally a byline to a... a story on the internet oh, the never ti- the tight that was a type on god i'm like wait oh, what that's, funny. that's not the name of it the name of the movie is no man of god and it's elijah wood of course because he's in horror movies now luke and luke kirby a film based on the true story of ted bundy and the fbi agent bill hagmeyer like mindhunter or whatever mm-hmm. um Let's see. Based on real transcripts and conversations between the serial killer and Ted Bundy, just like Mindhunter, uh, they uh, bought No Man of God ahead of its world premiere at this year's Tribeca Film Festival, and the film will hit theaters in August of 2021. It explores the FBI agent Bill Hagmeyer's actual interrogation of Ted Bundy, a story that has never been told. No Man of God brings a new and revealing perspective to the Ted Bundy's story directed by, uh, Amber Seeley. <sighs> Stars Elijah Wood, Luke Kirby, Alexa Palladino, Robert Patrick, Kit Lesser, et cetera, et cetera. Kit Lesser penned the script actually. So we'll see. They say it's a different lens. Yada, yada. 
There's only so many ways you can tell his story. But you know what? We're going to watch it. Okay. And we're going to cover it. I know. Because we do that for the people. Because everybody is freaking, that's why they keep making this shit. I know. Because it's all the thing. It's the thing. Serial killers. It's the thing. One of the many reasons why we talk about them. Not only from our own interest, obviously, but more from our own expertise, probably at this point, rather than like we love to sit around and watch things about serial killers. True. I think for us, it's shifted to that where it's not so much. Oh, yeah. Give me four more documentaries about serial killers. It's more like I have an expertise in this. Let's let's parse this out and and share our thoughts. Let's be badass. (laughs) That's what she's trying to say. Okay. It wasn't really. Okay. But since it's narcissism my projection, with sorry. <laughs> it's narcissism with casters, and we'll just go with that. <laughs> so we did a buddy watch called Belzebuth 2017. Just under two hours of horror goodness. It's from Mexico. After losing his family in an extremely tragic way, Detective Ritter must investigate a massacre at a school perpetrated by a student. What seemed like a pretty clear case becomes much more dense when a priest, it's always the priest, of a Vatican of the Vatican appears with another point of view. That's the log mm-hmm. line. We watched this on the Discord, right? Mm-hmm. I think I programmed it on the Discord, and we watched it with others. What did you think? I thought it was pretty good. I uh, loved the main guy. The main guy reminded me of somebody Robert Rodriguez would cast. He just was like such a badass, but you were like so, emp- like had so much empathy for him. And he was just like, he, you know, he loses his son. He loses, does he lose his wife or they divorce or whatever? There was, I, I can't remember. remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. And they so divorce. all, all he's trying to do is the right thing and understand what happened. And then he just gets pulled into this, complete mess how cool i know ice brought this up when we were watching it mm-hmm. how cool was that possessed statue right that w- i remember looking at that going what am i looking at first i had a hard time figuring out if it was supposed to be like cgi mm-hmm. and like an image like for him too and then i realized oh shit that's that's a statue they did such that was a really cool effect i've never seen them utilize a statue like that before agree so this film is hails from Mexico, so subtitles. Um, and I, you know, was so good. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. So here's, here's the thing. Here's the warning. The first, you know, 45 minutes, uh, there's a lot of children being killed. Oh, my God. Like, very graphically. Yeah. There's, there, they do not pull any kind of punch with what you are attempting to sit in with what happens and what that facilitates in my opinion because it was it because the rest of the film is executed well and the lead actor is so exceptional um that it moves beyond that kind of horror to other types of horror and it incorporates that but it but it and and, and personal horror psychological horror absolutely and crime drama and uh, like it incorporates a lot of different things but the reason why I think you can kind of hold on in that chunk of time, and it might not have been 45 minutes, I didn't time it, it just seemed like a long time, and probably wasn't that long, <laughs> is that 
I think you have to sit in that to then enjoy the rest of the movie. In other words, really see what he goes through, like really see the trauma and destruction and horror that he goes through where he's lost his own child. And then all of these other children are not like just that compounded cultural 100% uh, pain. It's like ancestral, cultural, personal tragedy. And I can't remember who we were watching it with. I mean, I remember who we were watching it with. I can't remember who said it one way. It might've been blue. It was just like this guy, like this poor guy. Yeah. Like he just keeps going through it. The hits keep coming. And then he, it moves on and mm-hmm. it gets, and it goes full horror too. Mm-hmm. So I, I would recommend it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I enjoyed it. Okay, so what's one thing that you watched? Let's get into some of our watches. I watched a movie called The Loved Ones. Okay. Um, This is, it's a bit older. Let me see. I think it's 2009, if I have the right. Let me find my page. Hang on. Uh, It's an Australian horror film written by Sean Byrne, starring Xavier Samuel, Robin McLeavy, Victoria Thane, Jessica McNamee, there's a bunch of people, Richard Wilson, John Brumpton. It follows a teenager who finds himself at the center of a female's, female classmate's demented party after he declines her offer to attend a school dance. This gets brutal real fast. <laughs> um, okay. Right. So it, it turns pretty morbid pretty quickly. So he's this high school kid popular good looking he's driving with his father when uh, a bloodied man appears in the middle of the road swerving to avoid the man brent crashes the vehicle into a tree killing his father so he's already in like this really sort of dissociative depressed state um this very unassumingly kind of nerdy girl asks him and he's like sorry i'm already going with someone you know, and then sure. she's like, ah! right. <laughs> so, so she somehow, I, I think what it is, is they, they end up like abducting him. If I remember this right. Oh, wow. And they take him to the house and dad is just bizarre. Like dad buys her a prom dress and she like tries it on in front of him. It's like that really creepy incestuous thing going on. And, and the mother, they've already pretty much lobotomized the mother. Wow. Okay. And so as the movie progresses, he's just like tied up at this table and they're just having prom at home. And he, I mean, they're just like, it goes from just beating him to like drills being used and all of like, that's what I'm saying. I thought it was just going to be more of like, okay, this is going to be psychological torture. And, but, Oh, it gets, it gets bad fast. Okay. Um, it's pretty morbid. But if you want like a, just a solid horror film, it's yeah. it's pretty sick. Yeah, it sounds like it. So did, um, you enjoyed it, yes? Yeah, I mean, if if you're in the mood, you I have mean, to be enjoy. in the mood for it. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was done. And Torture. I like, I like a lot of Australian horror films. I think they do. I do too. Yeah. Um, and New Zealand. Yeah. So... It's it's a fun one if you're in the mood for something something like The Dentist or one of those where Tortury. you just want to be, yeah, like, oh, God, that's horrible. <laughs> if you're working something out personally and psychologically, that, that would help with. And the girl, the girl who plays uh, the the main the main girl, she's uh, pretty believable. She's pretty good at playing this role. OK. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds like I have to add it to the list. Uh, I watched. um there's something called Dead House Dark out. It's a TV miniseries, horror, and 
it there are six episodes of the for this first season and they're each one is 15 minutes long mm-hmm. so it's like the one sentence horror story type of okay. thing a series of six short horror stories anchored by a woman who receives a mystery box from the dark web and then discovers the sinister secret that it holds so it's a quick watch. I watched it with others on the, I had had it programmed on the discord and we all watched it together. And I think it has its place. I, I, it's not something I'm going to watch again. It's not something I was blown away by, but I do love horror, horror shorts. Yeah. And so, Oh, I remember you guys watched this. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is from 20, you know, it's pretty new and it's, you know, high production values, et cetera. And it's, this kind of thing I think is going to get more and more popular and I imagine people will get it. And you know, it's like anthologies. It's not a, it's not a strict anthology where it's all super tied together, but mm-hmm. um, you know, a couple were better than others. There's like a psychopath mind control one. There's uh, like vloggers, mm-hmm. which um, you know, was one of them. There's one with rats there's one where there's a, there's the very last one I will say like super trigger warning because I I didn't realize I had this trigger but this was really difficult to watch for me but it was a hoarder that was dying in their mm. own um, oh, mess wow. and there's a caretaker there but then there were horror elements to it yeah and I thought it was good okay it's just it was really uncomfortable and i mean that's one of the things that makes horror good sometimes anytime you watch uh movies where they something like that or like an old person gets like really neglectful of them so it's hard to watch it was rough she was sick and and i i was it was rough to watch but you know i don't i'm i'm okay with being uncomfortable i think sometimes being uncomfortable like i'm not going to avoid horror movies just because it makes me uncomfortable but yeah so that last one but the other ones were just pretty fun the first one was a found footage like they really trying to mix it up Mm -hmm. so cool Cool. What's next? Um, I watched one that I had some hope for and wasn't crazy about it. It's, it's a new one called No Fear, but K K N O W. Okay. Twenty twenty one. After the possession of his wife, Donald Capel and his family activate a dangerous ritual in a book used to identify and banish demons, a ritual forcing each member of the family to communicate with the demon in their own unique way. Like one of them will see it, one of them hears it, one of them speaks to it. Um, so sounds awesome. Yeah. Sounds pretty fun. Yeah. It just didn't go anywhere. Like it, it just felt like it's been done. There wasn't really any reason why each person experienced the demon in a different way. It's like a choice they made, but I still don't, it would have I don't know. I wanted a little bit more context around why that was the case and how that mm-hmm. affected. That I don't would know. have made it scarier, probably. I, I guess. I don't know. It just, it, it fell flat. Like, I feel like they, there was a lot they could have done with it and it was somewhat predictable. You kind of knew mm-hmm. the daughter who had opened up this stuff that somehow she was, sorry, spoiler alert, <laughs> that she was going to be, end up as the host at the end. And it gets, so the, the wife ends up getting possessed and they get it out of the wife and then it, jumps to the you know it ends with it basically jumping to the daughter and she's like sitting in a corner and it was like there wasn't anything unique or different and i think we've had this conversation before where 
for me, if it's a, a possession movie, I want it to be something that's really unique and hasn't been done because it's been done so many times. And I thought and this sounded different, but when I watched it, it wasn't, there just wasn't a whole lot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think genres are like that, right? Where you have your favorite genres where you can watch all of it and it, yeah. it can be derivative and you don't care. Yeah. That's but, why I'm like vampires. Right. Yeah. And I think slashers maybe for you too. Yeah, slashers. And so they're just, and then there are other genres where uh, you embrace it and love it, but it has, to, it has to be good for you to really care. <laughs> um, the other, I watched, I uh, started watching another series. So I wanted to mention that, um, I watched the first two episodes of a series called it's on prime. That's called them. Uh, so, you know, each episode is like 45 minutes to an hour. A black family moves to an all-white Los Angeles neighborhood where malevolent forces next door and otherworldly uh, threaten to taunt, ravage, and destroy them. It's pretty good so far. I've watched the first two episodes. I will say that the racism is what they're confronting. It's a it's it's a time period piece and this is a black family who moves into an all white Los all white Los Angeles neighborhood where um the racism is on it's it's pointed, it's aggressive. It's very very obvious. There's nothing microaggression about this. Mm-hmm. Uh Allison Pill actually plays I love her the head racist female female in this. Oh, I could see, not because I believe she's racist, but I could see her playing that very just aggressive, rigid sort of like how she was in manipulative um, American horror story. That was her, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this has less emotion than that for sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's cold, 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 manipulative. Uh, and so these first two episodes have really, well, the first episode in particular have really laid out the platform of something that could be uh, like a cultural uh, conversation for mm-hmm. sure. And, but also now in the second of episode, they have laid out some of the horror. And so I'm very much looking forward to watching the rest of the season. Uh, I don't know that it's going to have the the very poignant or direct effects of some of the other uh, things that other media that has tackled and uh, explicated, I guess, for lack of a better word, this topic, but I'm enjoying it. It's really well acted and well put together, well produced. And the first two episodes are progressing well. And so like many series, I give up about the third or fourth episode. So we'll see. Okay. (laughs) We'll just see how that goes. What else did you watch? Um, that's it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Right on. Then, um, I, I did want to mention that we're going to, uh, you know, the other thing that I watched and I think the other thing that Kathy watched is the Sons of Sam Descent into Darkness mm, documentary. Mm-hmm. But we're going to do a whole episode on that next week. So we're not going to talk about it now. But um, I also binged that on the Discord with a few people who were uh, marathon troopers with me. And we just binged watched it in one night because I had to watch it anyway for the show. So I'm like, why not open it up to anybody else? We have, you know, true crime fans that are... Um, our patrons. Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why y'all listen to us. So, uh, 
but we're going to do a whole episode on that next week. So that's one of the other uh, series that I watched. So today was kind of a series day for me talking about the series that I've watched. So right on. Thank you so much for listening. This has been an episode of Shrink Chat. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Shrink Chat. Please check us out on our Patreon page, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'd love to engage with you as part of our community. Please take a moment to leave us a comment on any of our social media. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, sleep safe.